Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and probably my most favorite guest year to date, all the way from North Carolina, T. Shane Johnson, Marine, Loan Officer, best-selling author, sales and performance coach, and world record holder for most push-ups in one hour. T-Shane, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast, and thank you for taking the time to be on the show and lay down an episode with us. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That, I, I'm glad that 50 I sent you uh, yeah. allows you to make me sound way cooler than I really am. Yeah, 50 bucks goes a long <laughs> way. I promise you that. No, so here we are. We are um, still at the annual Florida Mortgage Bankers Association convention. Uh, JC and I laid down an episode uh, on day one. Here we are on day four. You're keynoting today, right? You're speaking uh, in a couple hours from now. And as an opportunist, I saw your name come up and full disclosure, I'm like, I'm not familiar with T-Shane. Then I started reading your freaking bio and I was like, bro, are you serious? Like, (laughs) and by the way, when I laid you out, I did it in order of importance to me. Sure. Marine. Awesome. Thank you for your service. Loan officer. Okay. We speak the same language, right? (laughs) Sales and performance coach. That's why we do this show. We do the show to educate, inspire, hopefully entertain. Um, Then you're an author and it's just cool factor. The the world Guinness, Guinness world record holder for most pushups in an hour. And I understand you're getting to go for a new record. I am. Yeah. So, um, so yes, so about a month ago, I broke the world record for the most push-ups in one hour. And so how many was that? That was uh, 3,050. Okay. And the record was 2,919. So um, blew past that, crushed it. We actually did two simultaneous records. So the first record was the one hour, and then we continued to go on to the 12 hour. The 12 hour was 19,325, and I did uh, 16,550. Um, so I fell short of that record. <clears throat> Though I'll give it to myself, you know, nothing wrong with doing over 16,000 push-ups. Yeah, no. but, um, so now on November 10th of this year, which is the Marine Corps birthday, we're going to rally a bunch of Marines together and uh, we're going to break that break that 32-year world, world record. Where Are you going to do that at your home gym or where are you going to do it? Yeah, we are. Well, we're working on that right now. So we're starting to kind of develop and put that together. We've had some different ideas when we're working with the Marine Corps, um, Marine Corps League detachment. You know, that really the idea behind it is, is though that that's just really just the hook. You know, we're trying to raise money for the Marine Corps League. Um, support the young Marines. Um, they have a great leadership program that helps those that are in high school. And, you know, they give scholarships that help them go through a leadership academy. Um, and they were a little underfunded this year, this past year with COVID. So uh, each year I tried to help a different cause. This year we're going to support them. I've never done a full Marine one, which I'm really excited about. So uh, that's why we do a Marine Corps birthday, support the Marine Corps League, support young Marines, and raise as much money as possible to help the group. So for my personal knowledge, how would I go and support this cause through your push-up challenge that you're getting ready to, or the, not even a challenge, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's a world record that you're trying to break. How would one be involved financially to, to donate? Yeah, so we're currently right now looking for sponsors. Um, everybody, you can reach out to me at uh, info at Shoot me an email. You can give me a call on my cell, 704-574-6611. Shoot me a text, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and if you'd like to get involved, support the veteran community. Um, this, I'll give you an example. Our last world record had over 270 million media impressions, and it went worldwide. 
Um, we were on every major news outlet, uh, media outlet. Um, it garnered quite a bit of attention. You know, people really got their arms wrapped around that. And we raised a lot of funds for the National Purple Heart Honor Mission up in, uh, in New York. So um, if you want to get involved, you can reach out to me. That All my social media is at T. Shane Johnson. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and we'd love, you know, the more support, the, the better. Awesome. Um, count on us supporting you. Absolutely. So let me know after this show um, through TLOP how the Lone Officer Podcast can really get involved. Of course. Um, love everything that you stand for. And it's just so cool. Yeah. Like, like, I was a kid who I bought the Guinness books. Remember when they came yeah. out, they were hard copied with like full color inside. Yeah. And every year through the Scholastic book program through school, like my mom wanted me to read like real books, like The Hobbit sure. or even Little House on the Prairie. I'm like, no, mom, I want the Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records. She's like, but that's not like a... Like a, like a novel. I'm like, I don't know, but it's really cool. It is cool. So, um, yeah, cool factor alone, but the cause, right? It's the cause that you stand sure. up for that um, is just absolutely instrumental. So, uh, yes, I would. we won't bore the viewers and listeners with that. Uh, we'll definitely make sure that uh, JC throws up your phone number, throws up your tags. We'll get it on, uh, on YouTube, which, by the way, you threw out some handles, handles of our own. We are at The Lone Officer Podcast for anyone who's tuning in for the first time, whether that's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, at the Lone Officer Podcast. If you ever want to connect with me individually, I am Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably the best way uh, to, to connect with me. Um, John Coleman's going to have a website built here in the next month or two. Uh, it's going to be tloponline.com. So a lot, of, a lot of the content that we push out, uh, we're going to have more supporting um, tools on the website. So stay tuned and, and check that out. And um, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, anywhere you can find a podcast, YouTube, at the Lone Officer Podcast. All right. We got all of that done. And I'm trying to think of, like, where we want to go. We have, like, a half hour here that you and I, what, what part of your awesomeness do we want to introduce first? <laughs> do we want to start with the work you do with the veteran community? Do we want to start with you're still an active MLO? Right, you still originate loans. If an MLO right now was sitting in front of you, what are the two or three bits of advice that you would give that person as they launch their career? Let's start with that. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's lean in a little bit into your loan officer. Then, then, then I do want to talk about um, the speaking you do, the money you raise, and how you do it as you walk across America. So make sure we circle back to that. But first and foremost, for the loan officers tuning in, um, from someone with a lot of experience and success in our industry, if you're sitting down with someone newer in the industry, what are two or three tips of advice that you would give them? You know, I think, you know, when you, when you, when you name all of the things, for some reason in my head, I don't think I'm of as each types of my business model. They really kind of all go together. And I think that's the hardest thing to explain when, you know, when you're interviewed or when you're as a, as a consultant or a coach, you know, people say, man, you do all of these things. Like, well, you know, they really kind of all go together, especially when we finance homes. You know, so when I'm working with my new reps, I always say, look, you know, the most important thing set aside from the day-to-day -day transaction and the things that you need to do in order to be successful from a business perspective, it really comes down to the branding and understanding what we do in our business. You know, we finance the freedoms that so many sacrifice or die for. And I think our industry has done, you know, it hasn't done a really good job of really kind of understanding that. And when you get ready to get in this business, defining your why, like Simon Sinek says, is extremely important. And it's really hard for us because, you know, we deliver these cheesy taglines as a company. You know, we try to develop a brand. You got somebody that's new that doesn't have a brand. They're not on all the social media. They're not on all these things. They don't have a podcast. They don't have a speaker background. You know, they haven't died. They haven't done all these things. So they're like, how do I develop a brand behind something? 
And I think really it's defining your why. Like when you get into the business and you're starting off at it, you know, hopefully you've got a great coach and a great mentor. You're working for a great organization. And sometimes that takes trial and error, like in anything else, you know, like relationships. You start to understand, you know, a company and their relationship and how they do business and how you'll work with them. I think the key component is sitting down. Um, what I do with my reps, I sit down and say, let's define your purpose and why. Your personal and your professional why. You know, first and foremost, you need to understand what we do here. You know, we finance the American dream. And when I say the American dream, I mean what our forefathers came to this country, laid down the Constitution and said, you know what, this is the foundation of our country, this is what we want to do, this is what we believe in, and we're willing to fight and die for it. And um, once we kind of get that wrapped around our head, and I think we can kind of connect the two, we start to understand that we're not just people who handle you know, a, a non-tangible financial transaction, we're people who actually give the piece of the American dream that so many of us have, have died and fought for and continue to fight for. And um, again, you've got to relay that passion, your why, to their why, and make them understand that. Once they can get their heads wrapped around that, then from there, when they go to deliver their product or they go to deliver whatever they're going to sell or their interest rate or whatever, it is from a sense of passion that is so driven that if they don't get that customer, they're going to feel like they let their country down. And I think that's an important thing. Well, I love you that. Deliver that message. You let your country down. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a total guilt trip. I mean, you know, when you're when you're talking to them, and I'm communicating to my LOs, I'm saying every time you got to know, you let a man die on the field. You know, um, you've got to remember, you know, no, no man's left behind. No man or woman's left behind. We've got to engage. We've got to get out there. We've got to get back in and attack it again. And again, I think that's why you know us veterans have a leg up on, on you know sometimes when it comes to that because we take things to such an extreme, whereas the normal person may not think that. So once my reps get their head wrapped around that, we define the why. I don't let them do anything else until they understand when it comes to coaching a business or coaching a real estate agent or a loan officer or whomever, let's define your purpose and why. Because when it gets really tough, and it will get really tough, you need to understand why you're, why you're here and you need to deliver your passion in such an energy that they feel it. I, you know, the funny thing is, is it's, I think it's a lot easier now selling loans than it was a long time ago because, you know, credibility, people can search me. People can say, oh, well, this guy, you know, I'm legit. I'm not just some Joe Smo, my tidy whities you know, eating Cheerios <laughs> in the basement. You know, and, I, and I, when I sell a loan or I offer the opportunity to give someone financing, you know, I do it from a, like a motivational speaker. I'm like, you know, what are you doing? This is financial freedom for you. You know, and I go into and I get such on a soapbox with it. Most of the time people go, wow, you know, your energy is just so like this is, you know, I think it's an emotional purchase sometimes more than it is the price side. And I'm like, look, you know, I've done so much for this country. I continue to do it. It is, it is, it is my obligation and responsibility to make sure I continue to do that. And it's for you. This is for you. It, it, and, and more importantly, it's for Bob, Joe, Lisa, all those over 200 plus years that have died. That if I don't do this and I don't help you, I'm doing this a disservice. I love that. And that's something we teach throughout our 100 plus episodes. It's like the, you and I know this, but I don't know if the people we serve, our fellow countrymen and countrywomen, understand the number one and number two way to become wealthy in our country is through homeownership. I mean, that has been proven time and time again, something along the lines of homeowners are 70, 70, 70 times more wealthy than non-homeowners. Right. And then when I teach younger loan officers and we use this platform to get our messaging out, like if you are going to enter into this industry, you have to be a, a coach first and a teacher second. Like you have to coach and teach people. That's why you're doing this. Like, yes, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the money is fantastic if you're good, sure. but you got to know your why. And that why is what's going to help you get through the sucky days. Cause there is a lot of suck you have to embrace in order to push through to get someone from 
never owning a home to owning their first home. And there's certain pitfalls that you're going to fall into and you have to climb your way out. Um, but I love having someone of your caliber basically echo that. But I love your language because you're coming at it from a Marine standpoint who, you know, you look at the people who sign up, they volunteer, right? We haven't had a draft in over 40 plus going on 50 years. Right. So anyone who signs up, they, they're signing up saying, I want to serve my country. I want to, you know, as you were telling me, and I would maybe ask you to share it with the audience, I'm willing to go into a more socialist career in order to protect capitalism, right? C can you talk about that from what it means to serve your country and then to come out and then try to find work outside of the military and how maybe this industry can rally behind people like you who served the country, didn't make a full career out of it, and now want to transition to a, to a non-government job. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, I, I think the one thing that you've got to relate to the consumer and, and to your employees and to, and to people around you is, is that the average American, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a stock, right? So the average American pays tax dollars to invest into this stock, a complete stranger, like just like you would a stock. But in a stock, you get the opportunity to kind of do research on the organization. You get to vet it. But an average person doesn't get to vet me, right? So they invest their tax dollars to pay my salary for me to go out and to be able to defend them so they can continue to live the life of freedom um, that our country provides. So I have an obligation as a veteran when I get out to, to give that return back to them more and more every single day. And, you know, when you go into the military, you got to remember, it is a very socialist platform. It is a platform whether if I'm a guy downrange and I'm part of a special operations unit and I'm out in the field and I'm taking gunfire, I'm going to receive the same amount of pay as someone who's in the rear and the gear. You know, yeah, if you're um, an E5 is an E5. 100%. Right, an O2 is an O2. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, there's small differences between hazard pay and, mm -hmm. and other things that happen, combat pay. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm going to make the same amount of money. And again, that's, you know, we all wear the same uniform. You know, we all think the same way. We all have to follow the same rules. It's same a, haircuts. 100%. It's a, it's a total socialist platform. And then I get out to go defend a capitalist platform. But unfortunately, I end up falling into the socialist portion of it, where I continue to do that same thing because, you know, Really, we as a, a, I would I'll keep it on the industry since we're an industry podcast. We as an industry, we don't reach out and say, "We've got the golden goose to your financial freedom," right? Like, thank you. Like, I don't need you to thank me by writing me some checks so I don't become homeless. I need you to employ me so that I can make millions to get more veterans to help more to do more. And that's what capitalism is all about. You know, that's what our business allows us the opportunity to do this amazing amount of financial freedom that we can give these veterans. I mean, I'll tell you, look. The number one reason why 22 veterans a day commit suicide is because of camaraderie loss. See, when we get out, you got to remember the Marine Corps, just in the Marine Corps, I can't speak for the other branches, make up 0.001% of the total population. So when we get out, we dissipate out all into these different locations and we don't have a bond. And then we try to find that bond through different things. But it's so hard to find because we're so unique in our thought process. Like, you know, people always say, you know, the best way to tell a Marine is don't worry about it. They'll tell you, yeah. you know, um, we're, we're, we're very we're, we're very proud of we're, we're cult like following. We're very proud of that. But when we get together, it's dangerous. So when you can take and put us all in one environment and you can allow us the, the freedoms to be who we are and produce that, I mean, over 243 years, we've never lost a battle. We win. That's what we do. That's what the Marine Corps does. We win. So now imagine 25 Marines, 50 Marines, 100 Marines come up against your organization, right? Bella Wood is a proven, a proven example of that. You know, 10,000 Marines beat 100,000, right? Like 
This is just what we do. So you put us in a room where we're on the phones. You put us on the room where we have to dominate a market. You put us on there where we can go and absolutely crush an entire industry. All you got to do is open the door. We'll follow. We'll lead. We'll do all the things that you want us to do. And on top of that, you'll pay us a bunch of money and we'll love it. And now we'll go and get more of our brothers, you know, and we'll go and pull them all in and do it more. So it, it is... It is an amazing platform, but we do have to go through understanding what is a true follower, going through that socialist platform, and then we get out and hopefully have the opportunity to. to yeah, so, so for the mortgage managers, those are in a hiring role, a recruiting role, not just mortgage, real estate, financial advisors, um, accountants, right? Anyone who's in an industry right now that needs talented people, are you tuned, tuned in and turning to ex-military and if they're not i'm hearing you today say you need to yeah you need to and here's why and, and the why is not only are you getting someone with phenomenal skill sets but you're also getting you're 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 paying it back to your country by employing someone who gave so much to their country it's a win-win i mean you're you're helping that that ex-military elevate themselves financially you may be giving them a sense of purpose you may be finding their new group, right? Because you're used to being a part of a group or a platoon or um, some kind of a, a infantry, um, I guess, I call, I call them groups. What, what's a better word besides a group or a platoon when, when you're using military language? Yeah, it's just, I mean, that's fine. You can use the unit, platoon, unit squad. Yeah. Unit, squad, yeah. there we go. Those are the words the branch, I was, I was yeah. searching for. But um, no, it's, it's, it, you're, you're also potentially preventing someone from going down a deep, dark hole, Sure. right? What, what are ways, uh, I'm a hiring manager, right? And, and I have a platform where we actually hire people with no experience. I prefer, especially when it comes to loan officers anymore, I prefer to bring in a great person and then train them to the skill set versus bringing in the skill set and hoping that their persona matches what we do well. What would be a good way for me, someone who's based in Orlando, Florida, but has access to hiring throughout the entire country, what would be a good way for me to get involved in the veteran community? Yeah, you know, you bring up a really great point, and I'll, I'll, I'll back it like a thousand percent. So the largest dominating corporation in the entire world is the United States military. They bring in all green people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And they train them from the ground up. So that is a tried and true proven tactic that just goes to show that with the, you know, selecting the right people and the right training and the right leadership, the success is, is above and beyond. You know, I guess selfish plug would be, you know, bring me in. I think like in, when you, when you do it, when you do a movie, um, you know, as, as veterans, when we're watching a movie, we can always tell if the movie didn't have some type of military leader on the, on the ground, because it's like, nope, that's wrong. Nope, yeah. that's wrong. Nope, that's wrong. You know, and then you start to realize like when you get into it and a hiring manager, unfortunately, though your passion and drive may be there and you may want to support your country and you're like, man, I love you as a veteran. You will never be able to speak our language. And it's such a different language that there's no bond or trust there. So they're going to trust, they'll go to Starbucks and work at Starbucks because the hiring manager at Starbucks is a veteran and he'll shoot the breeze and say, what unit were you with? And where would you? Oh yeah, yeah, great. And then the, what was your MLS? Because, because I'm not looking for a job. You understand? Yeah. I'm looking for camaraderie. I'm looking to connect to keep alive. To start going from a dark place because I don't understand the concept of money yet. Yeah. Right. I don't understand that I can make this kind of money. I don't. I, matter of fact, I don't even think I'm worthy. Right. That's just general public. As a speaker, most people don't even think they're worthy to be successful. So as a veteran, you think, well, I'm a server. You know, like you got to remember these people serve. So it's not about income for them at first because they haven't been taught or understand the concept of it. They're service-based people, right? They're servant leadership. So they don't care. They're willing to die for you. I am willing to die for you for a thousand bucks a month. Yeah. 
right? You won't even go meet a client for a thousand bucks a month. Right? Correct. So, so, yes. So, right? so, no. so think about the concept of that. So, you know, as a hiring manager and as an organization, you better get your stuff together and have the right people in place. So when those veterans come in ready to go, you're able to articulate the message in a way that they get it and feel like they're part of something. And then once you've got that right, which is what we starve as managers to try to get our loan officers or our people, our employees to do is to try to follow us and trust in us. Once you've got that compensation is irrelevant, right? It really is. I mean, people work for, you know, a lot more than a paycheck. You know, they want to be a part of something. They want to, they, they want to believe in something. The military does a great job, especially Marine Corps, of making you believe something, a creed that you are willing to die for, right? So we're at a whole other level. So when we go to sit down with you and you tell me, oh, you can make this money, you can make this business, I'm going to call BS. Yes. Because I, I'm like, okay, what's the scam? What are you, you going to have me doing? Oh, it's a commission, right? Especially in our industry, insurance sales. Like, I, you know, okay, what is this? Because we get, you know, all the medical device companies come after us, you know, because they think, oh, well, you know, these guys are working. Whereas our industry is not like that. We actually will pay you. We actually will get you licensed. I mean, the state of Florida alone, I know, I think Waterstone, you guys are like chartered, you don't have a Correct. license yep. requirement. Yeah. So, but the state of Florida is an example where the state will waive all licensing fees for veterans. That's fantastic. I didn't know that. I, yeah. Yep. And we actually did a show where we brought on a instructor who instructs the NMLS 20 hour safe, safe course. Yep. Yep. Um, and I learned a ton from Bill when he was on the, on the show, but I didn't know that. 100% state of Florida will waive it. If you're a disabled veteran, they'll waive all fees each year. Um, and, um, you know, employers get a $9,600 tax credit for anybody that happens to be, um, I think it's 10% or more disabled. If the veteran has been unemployed for at least six months. How many employers do you think don't, don't know that? I, I have, I just sat with a major company, um, last week doing a consulting thing where they kind of talked about doing the same thing in Charlotte and they had no clue. Their comptroller had no clue. Yeah, because it, it is something that when you're doing, when you're filing your taxes, you probably have to submit for it. So yeah. if you're not submitting for it, if you don't know, and they don't know, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'll speak on behalf of Waterstone. Yeah. I'm going to guess with a very high probability that I'm right, that we don't take advantage of this. And it's just because how many departments would, does the HR team speak to the accounting team, right? Is CFO sitting down with VP of HR, let alone does VP of HR even know how many of the new hires were ex-military, let alone if they're uh, a disabled vet. Yeah. So well, that, and that, that is a service I'm assuming you offer, right? That, that's something where you go into correct. a company as a consultant and yep. you sit down and you lay it all out for Absolutely, them. Absolutely, okay. 100%. But to, to kind of play more on that, you got to remember though, in our industry, and I'm, I'll just, you know, I'll be transparent, it's my personality, we just don't care because most of the time our production as bigger organizations, VA only makes up 10% of that. Right, so if we get to do a little VA loan, we'll go, hey, I helped a veteran today, and we post it on social media and say, wow, what a win. But it only makes up a small percentage of our overall production. So since it makes a small percentage of our overall production, we don't really pay attention to it much, especially on the hiring side. We do it because it's great to post on social media. But if we actually developed a division, right, if companies really started to focus on it and truly wanted to give back in the right way, then they would have this industry knowledge and they would know these different things. I mean, you got a veteran that's been unemployed for six months that's trying to, you know, get on. There's a, even if they're not disabled, you get like a $2,400 tax deduction. You know, Voc Rehab, the military, the VA, the government will pay a company money to put the, put the veteran through a training program. You know, so if it's a full 12 week program and let's say that program costs this amount of money, the, the VA will pay the company that money in addition to giving the veteran a housing stipend each month, just like if they were going to full blown college. I mean, they, they want to, they want you to hire and they're willing to pay you for it. 
And in our business, I mean, the first thing, when you sit down with a company, I swear, I swear I get so frustrated because we talk about how much money we make until it's time to invest in our business or our people. Then it's like, oh, well, that sounds yeah. like a lot of money. Well, yeah, it's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. I mean, the largest expense walks on two legs. But if the government is willing to subsidize that, where you're just about capital free, or you can double up and really do the right thing, and they can make some good money, they're not starving during that training period. They're not going back to their husband and wife and saying, you know, I, I got this really great job. I hope to make some money. And then you've got your sales cycle, right? Depending on how fast the turn times are from 30 to 45 to 60 to 90 days, whatever you're sold on, you know, to try to get that commission check. And you're in there grinding all day long in this business, which, you know, seven days a week, 24 seven, people have got access to you. It's one of those things. You're going back to your husband and wife who has experienced deployments, has experienced the trials and tribulations and the, and, the, and the troubles that have been why they've served, and they're getting out to kind of go into that same platform thinking they were going to get a little bit more time and freedom, you better pay them. I mean, look, the, you know, happy wife, happy life, right? Yes. Like, she better be the mall MVP yeah, yeah. if you're going to be gone all the time, yeah. you know? And this business allows us that opportunity. You know, when you think of it from the mortgage side, if we did a better job of being able to develop and build that, we would, we would take a 22-day veteran suicide down to zero. I mean, look... I don't care what anybody says. Being unhappy or happy is a mindset, but your bank account with money in it makes things a lot easier to change a whole lot that easier. mindset. Uh, it, I will tell people this from from firsthand experience: money doesn't buy happiness, but money takes three of the major stressors off of your shoulders. Yeah. At which point, it, it's easier to then focus on things that may make you happy. Right? Mm -hmm. It's it's easy for me to go to counseling when I can a afford it. Right, we'll start there, and B, when the two other stressors that, that would have been on my plate, which have been financial, so I would have been working more and I couldn't afford it, right. I didn't have the time, now I can. Yep. It's easy for me to start reading a book that's gonna make me a better person if, again, I'm not staying up late at night trying to figure out how I'm gonna keep the lights on or I'm not working that second or third job, right? So this industry, in many industries, I mean, financial services, we don't have to say loan officer or mortgage banking, right? It, it can go real sure. estate, it can go title, it can go insurance, it can go, I mean, so many different facets of financial services give someone with a little bit of drive and the ability to coach and teach an opportunity to make income that some people have to go to college for eight years, sure. right? Doctors, I mean, doctors make that kind of money. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be a doctor. You can have no degree, a two-year degree, or a four-year degree, yep. and you can build your own business under the umbrella of a much larger uh, organization. Sure. Well, we don't make our business sexy. No. You know, it, well, there, there, there's nothing about our delivery of our business that makes it sexy. I mean, it's not, we don't, we, we're, again, you know, it's so funny watching this business because all this money that comes through and we still have not adapted with times. You know, you've got these, these smaller companies that sell, you know, Star, I love, I always love referencing Starbucks because you take a $5 product that people consume each day that's really probably more of a milkshake than it really is a coffee. And they spend all this money on it and they buy this product and they do it. And this company does a better job of hiring these high level leadership veterans than we do in our industry. Yet we could provide massive amount of financial freedom where they could work five years like nobody wants to live the rest of your life like nobody can. They could be done by 2.30 and spend time with their family. They could actually take these children that are end up, because I'm going to tell you, all the work that I've done with homelessness and you know abuse and and it all starts back with with us. It starts with us, you know, relatively middle class to upper class people who feel like we have to spend so much time on our business and be these phenomenal CEOs of our people that we forget to be CEOs at home. And then those children end up having the money to be able to get into these drugs and get into the wrong places because the intention's not put on them. Next thing you know, they're out on the streets and they become a byproduct of our lack of ability to focus on buying time versus saying, oh, we want to go focus on. And, we'll, and look, we'll grow people in our business and we'll spend so much time on little Susie, who's our new employer, 
here, you know, and how we want to do that. And then we'll realize our kids growing up behind us that we're not even paying attention to. You know, it, our industry can combine both buying time and financial freedom done the right way, coached the right way. And again, your military has already experienced all this stuff. You know, they've already went through all these troubles. I think it's our obligation, our responsibility to be able to, you know, what you and I have experienced in this business, to be able to get back to them and say, listen, you don't have a choice. Here's what's going to happen. You're going you're, you're to work these six months. You're going to bust your butt. And then what's going to happen? You're going to lock a loan a day. I tell my people all the time, there's only one rule I have in, in my business. A lock a loan a day. If you do it by 10 a.m., you're gone. That's it. One a day. You don't need to do anything else. There's nothing else you need to do. Uh, people have got all these uh, manage your pipeline, your calls, your structure management. That's a bunch of BS because this business is going to hit you like Mike Tyson. You know, what you've got to do is lock a loan a day. I don't care where, when, or how you get it. Just one a day. Dude, I love that you just said that. I could have swore I, I paid you back the $50 <laughs> plus an extra 50 because we just laid down an episode that we titled one plus one plus one plus one equals five. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Right? And it's like, no. I tried to boil it down yeah. and it came from, I had loan officers I was coaching internally that were just kind of had like paralysis by analysis and they're overthinking and I'm like, just strip it down. Yeah. Did you talk to someone today who wants a loan? Did you meet with someone who can refer you loans? Did you schedule an appointment with someone that can, you know, uh, down the road, if you build a good relationship, keep on referring you loans? And did you show gratitude? Meaning, did you do a handwritten thank you note and tell someone thank you? Right. Because if you can get that done by 1030, yes. Whether you want to go play poker, whether you want to go get a facial, whether you want to hit the gym, right? It's sure. yours to do because you won that day. Yeah. Um, so for you to hear you say, boil it down even more, like, hey, did you lock a loan? That's it. Because we get paid, right? You have to understand that at least 80% of those loans that you lock are going to close. close. Yeah. So if you're locking five loans a week, that's four closings a week. That's 16, depending on your comp plan and depending on, on, on your, your setup and your business model, that's anywhere from $120,000 a year to, you know, damn near half a million dollars yeah. a year yeah. in terms of personal income. And I love that you focused on the time. Yep. And it's not just the time to your family, it's the time to your community. Sure. Right? Like, focus, I, I'm a big believer, focus on your community. If you can make your community better, then ultimately you're going to make the world better. Sure. Um, so that's, yeah, that's more time that you can give back. So there's a, like, I can go all over the place with this. Um, I didn't ask you two questions about the, the becoming the world record holder for push-ups. But I think the audience is going to need to know this. Right. Okay. So although you failed at the 12-hour and you're getting ready to dominate it here, right, in, sure. in, in a few months, but you did conquer the one-hour, what was your recovery like? Just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just quickly, like on a scale of one to 10, 10 was like, holy cow, it sucked terribly. And one was like, oh man, I was totally prepared for that. I drank a Pedialyte and I was done. Yeah, no, Which definitely one? not. It was, it was 10, life was horrible. Um, I was like the Ace Ventura pet detective in two when he gets shots with the darts and he's like running and his arms aren't moving. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean it, was, uh, it was pretty bad, man. I mean, I, I, I've, I've actually, I actually have broken three world records um, and you know, the push-up one versus the one-mile run with the 100-pound pack, you know, it was just so much on my body. And it wasn't the one hour. The one hour, I blasted right through that one. I was like a boss. Like, I finished up with it, and I was like 3,050. I was like, what's up? Let's roll. But, you know, doing 16,500 for another 11 hours, that, that, that took quite a bit of a toll. And, again, you can't really train for that. But, yeah, I, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't take my shirt off. I couldn't do – I mean, it was brutal, man. Um, for, like, how many days? Uh, well, for four days, wow. I couldn't even move my arms. As a matter of fact, I had a consultant meeting on Tuesday. So I did the, I did it on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I met with the mortgage company on Tuesday. And I remember like sitting there and I was just holding my arms the whole time. The guy was like, I can't even believe you're in here, man. I was like, oh, well, you know, life goes on. We got to keep yeah. going, you know? 
And, um, but I just now got the feeling back in a couple of my fingers. Um, these two are still gone. I still don't have any feeling here, but I'm just now starting to kind of get a little bit of the feeling back in the tips. Now, you're a thick dude, so I think I know the answer to this question, but David Goggins has the pull-up record. So Are, tired of hearing about David Goggins. <laughs> so, hey, shout out to uh, one of my best friends. Guy's name is Jason Ware. He goes by JJ. And I was having drinks with him last night, and he's in town right now for a different conference. And uh, I was telling him about you. I'm like, dude, I'm so jacked up to meet this guy. And, uh, and I said, push-ups. He's like, Goggins has that record. I didn't know Goggins does not have that record. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we won't go down that route, but Navy SEALs always getting all the credit. For yeah. Hey, yeah, he's, he's leaner. Yeah, no, no, listen, hey, you know, the guy's a stud. Um, it's funny, people reference that a lot. Um, you know, we have a lot of respect for the Navy SEALs, but um, I was battalion recon, so we were in the same same type of community. And of course, you know, Marine Corps, we're always you know, we're, we're bigger, better, better, stronger. There you so, go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no chance of you chasing the uh, the pull up record. No, I wish. You know what? I used to be. That was my thing in the Marine Corps, but unfortunately, due to my my hand, I can't oh. I can't hold the bar long enough to be able to do it. So yeah, we like guys and girls. Everyone tuned in. You have to check out. His, his website, which, what, what is your website again? tshaneinspires.com. Okay, his story is badass. We're not gonna go into this on, on today's show, but you died three times yeah. on, like, on the way to a hospital after a really bad incident that, that happened to you um, in your early 20s, right? Yeah. Um, probably helped shape you and, and in terms of who you are today. You recovered, you, you were in the Marine Corps at the time, you continued serving your country. I did. Um, but it left you with some long-term permanent damage, and one of those is you, you, you lack feeling in your right hand. Yeah, I'm 90% disabled veteran, um, and on 60% of disability in my right, my okay. right arm. Um, no, what are the two other world records that you hold? Um, the fastest one mile carrying a 100-pound pack. How fast was that? Um, I did it in 13 minutes. Wow. And I did it at ODU, and I did it in the middle of my, uh, my run from New York to Orlando for 1,600 well, miles. So that's where I want to go next. I want to talk about, about your speaking engagements, but it's more about how you travel to your speaking engagements. I would like to just reference your books because I want to catch one and I want to read it myself. And I want you to tell me which one to start with. Um, uh, and then I, I'm just curious right now, how do you pick push-ups? How do you pick, hey, I'm going to, there's a record out there for who, who can run a mile the fastest while carrying a hundred pound pack on them. Yeah. How do you pick those? How do you come up with them? Do you have a committee that, <laughs> no, that, that helps no, you out? No, no, I'm not that fancy. Is it a drinking um, game? Is yeah, it it's, a, a drinking game? Yeah. In, in, in the I, it's called household? the Hold My Beer um, <laughs> yeah, committee. It, 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 no, you know, I, there's each one of them has kind of a sentimental meaning or, you know, longer story to it that I'm sure we talk about all day. I mean, you know, normally I run across the country. That's been my gig, and I, I do. And you've because, done that how many times? Uh, four times. Is it always east to west coast? Um, no. Um, okay. Some, like the last one before COVID, I ran from New York to Florida. Okay. Yeah. So down the east coast. Um, sometimes I'll run across, or sometimes I ran in state here in Florida. You know, I used to live here. I used to live in Windermere for quite some time. So. Oh, you in Tiger Woods? Yeah, yeah. Me, nice. I hope Elon didn't come after no, you with a golf no, club no, too. No, no, no. Okay. She, she made me a bracelet. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's. Uh, that that turned out to be something I don't know. That thing kind of blew up. It was really really weird. You know, as a speaker, you know, I always think it's interesting as a speaker. You know, you've got these high paid profile speakers that come in. They wear suits and you know they put us in these great hotels and they do things. But inspiration is something that's needed throughout all of us. You know, and when I was homeless for two years, um, you know, what was great is I, I would have loved anything for a speaker to come in and inspire me that experienced the same things that I did. And speakers don't go into homeless shelters. You know, they don't, they don't go into to poverty-driven communities. 
right? They call them politicians because they want votes. And even the politicians won't do that. You know, I thought it was interesting that, you know, they can't pay $100 a seat. They can't come and pay $300 in a room. They can't come and pay all these fees to come in and watch, you know, some knucklehead like me run my mouth, you know, but they still need inspiration. And unfortunately, because they don't have the funds, you know, people won't go there or they feel uncomfortable. You know, I've always just felt comfortable around everybody. I, mm -hmm. I really don't care who they are, you know. Um, so I, I, the project was really to go into all these shelters. And because when you're homeless, look, let me tell you something. The first thing that you lose is your identity. Not your ID card, meaning yeah. your, your, your self-identity. Your, your self-identity, because people don't call you Jim, Bob, Lisa, or whatever. They call you homeless, wow. right? So you lose your identity. And that's the thing that we hold on. That's the thing we're given the second we take that breath, right? The second we come out and we take that breath, I am this person. And that sticks with us forever, right? Your name carries with you forever, no matter what. It's a powerful thing to have. And when you become homeless because you don't have all those things that we think is important in America, we completely eliminate and strip people from that. We call them a social security number and homeless, right? Assuming they even have one. So the idea behind that project was to get in there and say, you know what? Uh, maybe you don't have access to a podcast. Maybe you don't have access to a speaker. Maybe you don't have that. I'm going to come in there and I want to speak to you. So one of my biggest requirements used to be, still is to this day, is that if somebody pays me to come speak, they also have to, I require that I go to a shelter and speak of their choice or within the community. And then I donate half of my proceeds from the speaker fee to, to that shelter. And the idea behind that is to say, listen, just because we're privileged and we've had the opportunity that we take advantage of doesn't mean others shouldn't hear our message or our word. And uh, that's really what Hike Across America ended up becoming. You know, I partnered with Clean the World here locally in Orlando. Um, that project, we handed out over 10,000 hygiene kits to, to veterans. We spoke to, you know, I, gosh, I can't tell you how many shelters. And look, you know, I, I was on a radio interview last night, and they were asking me, did anything bad happen? Yeah, we, we, we watched a guy get murdered. We, we got sprayed in a shelter by, you know, a guy that was running from some, some drug guys. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a fun place to be in. But it doesn't mean they don't need inspiration, yeah. right? You know, it, it, and maybe we created another story. I went to a shelter in Tallahassee where this kid's mom was living in a homeless shelter. He was a, trying to be a boxer, and we sat down, and he didn't have a father figure. And we sat for probably 40 minutes, man, and I sat with that kid. Let me tell you something. As I went across the country, he got so motivated. He was, he was just enough to get in college that he would I'd check in with him, you know, how you doing, how's stuff going, whatever. Like two years later, he had gotten this great job, was back in school, bought a home no way. and got his mom out of the shelter. And it was like a whole article. Yeah. And, and when you when you see something like that and you make an impact like that, I mean, you don't have a choice, you know. So, yeah. So Hike Across America was really about that. And we went in and we inspired a lot of great people, made an impact, saved a lot of people from, you know, a lot of bad things happening. And um, and then it just, you know, I mean, it just became more and more and more. Have you planned your next hike? No, not yet. You know, COVID really shut yeah. a lot of that stuff down. So right right now, our main thing is hitting that, you know, the, the world record for the 12-hour the push-ups in November. And then next year, we'll kind of see. You know, I think the, the hardest part is because of being in the industry is getting organizations like companies like, you know, LendingTree really, you know, they, they support me a lot. They did a great job this past year. But getting these other mortgage companies to chip in and quit being so cheap and, and really giving back to the community. Because if it is about community, you know, we take from the community all the time, yes. right? Like we really do in our industry. Um, and then we really need to do a better job of I always uh, you know I bash our industry a little bit I, I, I kind of you know, I'm in it I'm allowed to you know I think it's a shame you've earned that, that right uh, yeah I yeah. think in the mortgage and real estate business it's a shame that we don't do more in housing you know we really don't we really don't give back to the community as much as we should and we take from it all the time and these type of projects are really just me showing like look trying to make a voice loud enough to say listen we provide homes for people and financing for people why are we not eliminating homelessness
it's ridiculous. We don't talk about it out of conferences. We don't talk about, you know, we, we talk about redlining. Yeah. Right? We talk about going into a community and, and targeting, but we don't talk about how we should actually be doing it. We've got a couple little, eh, where Wells Fargo screws over a bunch of veterans and then they go build a house. Ooh, thumbs up. You know, I mean, that's that's not making an impact. Yeah, the, now, the, the obligatory, um, um, uh, what's it, uh, humanity, the... Um, uh, habitat for, for humanity. humanity. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the, the obligatory build. Sure. Right, you get yeah. together for eight hours. Here's our team, here's some yeah. t-shirts, yay. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it's, we, 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 we need to do a better job. Which, by the way, Habitat for Humanity is a fantastic organization. Sure. We should be more involved. I wasn't, I wasn't knocking Habitat there, I was knocking, I'm through my branch, branches like mine, yeah. who in 13 years, twice, twice we got together for a quote-unquote yeah. team outing for six hours, of which, you know, of the 50 people in our local branch, there were nine that signed up and there were seven that showed up yeah. and it was for six hours once. Yeah. So, you so, know, it's so, like, but it's also, it's one of the greatest things that we can do as managers and leaders and owners of companies because our transactions are not tangible. So we don't ever get to see it. You know, we're really not a part of it a lot of times, you know, I mean, especially now, especially if we start to grab bigger and bigger regions, it makes it, you know, it makes it more difficult. You know, and, and look, for one, if we do a function, you're going. Yes. So yeah. you're not signing up anything. You will be there or you won't be with our company. I mean, it's just that simple. You know, it's our it's our responsibility to give back. So, you know, yeah, no, the group, the Habitat of Humanity is amazing. I think I'm more on our industry. I'm saying, yes. you know, we need to get our stuff together and start partnering with these groups and really start helping, you know, the organizations and, and give back. Like right now, I just got nominated for Mr. Health and Fitness for um, Muscle and Fitness. Oh, awesome. And um, I think today was the last day. I'm number one in it right now and they're 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 um, raising funds to help uh, disabled veterans with um, building homes for disabled veterans and again I'm just an advocate on all sides when it has to do with it because if we actually if I went into that room today and I gave this speech right and I was able to rally the troops the combined amount of net worth in that room oh right? Jesus between the organizations it's, and the people alone oh billions it's we billions could, we could we could absolutely just locally in this area let me tell you something in Orange County alone Orange County here in Orlando over 3,000 children are homeless or couch surfing 3,000 teens three just in Orange County yeah alone and, and as an industry what are we doing for what that? are we doing yeah we're sitting in here our really nice suits doing podcasts yes um Three quick hitters. I never figured out what the third world, world, world record was. Uh, that was the fastest marathon carrying a 100-pound pack. Okay, time? Uh, that one was four and a half hours. So, full disclosure for those people who are not marathon runners, as someone who recently got into quote-unquote running, that would be my goal, <laughs> right? My goal would be somewhere between four and four and a half without a 100-pound pack, right? So that's, that's fantastic. So three world records. Um, the two books. The two books or three books? Three books. Three books. Titles? Uh, Hike Across America, Be the Leader You're Meant to Be, and uh, Keep Your Feet Moving. Which was the hardest to write? Uh, my first one, Hike Your, Across America. Yep. Yeah. Um, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, uh, one thing he'll say, the, the first is always the hardest. Sure. Right, but once you write one, it's a lot easier to write two and Very three. So. Uh, Hike Across America, was that more of a... Um, like an autobiography of your experiences? Is that um, it, was, it was more of an autobiography of, yeah, well, 
some of the hike and some of my personal life growing up here in Florida. So uh, the challenges that I faced and then what I did is I basically tell a story and then relate that story to the reader um, to apply it you know, to their life to be able to make their change. Is that still your favorite? Because it was your first? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the one that talks about my accident, goes into a detail about the experiences of going through that. Um, growing up here in Florida, you know, Florida is an interesting state. You know, we're always on the news for all the wrong things between, you know, bath salts and alligators. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny because some of those stories you would think are, you know, um, a little out there I actually experienced you know I grew up in in Arcadia so our river would flood I used to swim to school in high school in the mornings to go to school because our our property flooded 14 it was just crazy is that the Peace River down there it is a Peace River yeah yeah I heard it's beautiful it's absolutely gorgeous but it floods like crazy so you know we we grew up in a single wide trailer probably 13 miles from town I actually grew up in Gardner but nobody knows where Gardner's at so much less Uh, yeah I was gonna say not many people know where Arcadia Arcadia is is, yeah Yeah, a good buddy of mine shout out to Dan Knutson his wife's from Arcadia oh nice Um, but when they got married we had to get married in Fort Myers because I guess there's not not that many uh, wedding venues so uh, but uh, okay so I crossed America and the next two Uh, be the leader you're meant to be and keep your feet moving What's keep your feet moving on? Um, well, it basically is in the it, it's in the name of the the book, so it's it's more of a personal development okay. um, leadership book. In the military, we always say you know always keep your feet moving, one foot in front of the no- yep. other, so never ever stop. So in life, a lot of times we always taking pauses, taking pauses, and we're wondering why it takes us so long. Um, in the military, no matter how tired you are, you can slow down. You, you know, you can do whatever you want to, just don't stop. Always keep your feet moving. So the idea behind that book was, you know, no matter what you're going through, what you're doing in life, just put one foot in front of the other and just keep on going. I, I love that. People ask all the time, like, oh, Dio, you're going to do a marathon. How do you do it? I said, I put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Like, it starts with, I don't care about my time. Sure. I just got to get one foot in front of the other. Eventually, I'm going to get those 26.2 miles. <laughs> now, once I do it once, now I have a, a litmus. I have somewhere to, to gauge myself. And the next time is going to be maybe a little bit quicker. And the next time a little bit quicker. Until eventually, maybe I'm like, hey, I'm going to throw a 100-pound pack on my back and see what I can do. Yeah, I don't recommend that. That's no, no. My current BHAG is um, big, hairy, audacious goal for those that don't follow that type of vernacular uh, would be an Ironman. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to start with a half because I'm pretty confident I could crank out a half in the shape that I'm in now. We can't say I would do it well, and I can't say it wouldn't suck, but I could do it. Sure. But to do a full, ooh, like that, that's going to be a one- or two-year training regimen just on my end. And I, I always love the personal challenges. I, I couldn't imagine doing 500 push-ups in, in, in an hour, let alone um, the, the number of push-ups that, that you did. Um, hike, hike, the, the hikes, because you are going to continue doing the hikes. Is that like once you get through COVID, once you get through breaking another world record, so now you're going to hold four. Uh, when you do the 12-hour push-up record, um, when do you anticipate starting? And can people join you on those? Absolutely. So we've had a ton of people join. So I usually do it every single year, starting probably around September 11th to November 11th. Good weather um, time. Yep. yep. So I do it 9-11 to um, Veterans Day. Okay. And um, I'll go through and, and during that course of the time, you know, depending on our cities and where we're at and what our goal is and our objective and our, our you know, whoever we're raising funds for at that time. But yeah, people have joined me a, a lot. I mean, we... I, Man, I've got story. I, I can tell you so many different stories, um, you know, about the experiences. But absolutely, we do it. You know, weather is obviously the biggest reason. Just before the winter starts hitting, and right after the summers, um, and then of course, very iconic time points. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's. Um, we will definitely do it again. Um, and we've learned each year, you know, we've, we've built on that. We've got a lot of things that we want to do. Again, it's just finding the right cause and the right organizations want to get behind it. Yeah. Um, 
if people want to find out more about that, just follow you on social yes, and, and hit up your website, which we're already plugged, and John will make sure he gets the cool graphics down at the bottom. So those that are on YouTube that are viewing, you'll be able to see it. If you're tuned in on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you're probably going to have to pull over to the local Starbucks, get out a pen and paper, and click rewind a couple times so you can make sure you get Shane's phone number. You can make sure you get the, the, the website written down properly. Sure. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. like I'm all in. I'm all in. I want to come walk with you. Sure. Um, I'm going to throw this out. I'm a little bit hesitant, but I'm going to do it. So we get requests where loan officers are like, oh, Dio, do you coach? And I'm like, I, I do as a part of my job. Like that's something that Waterstone Mortgage pays me to do. Right. So I coach those loan officers that work under our umbrella. But I haven't coached loan officers outside of the corporate umbrella that, I, that I'm a part of. And it has not been due to the lack of ability. It's just kind of been lack of bandwidth. Sure. Um, but if you can help me find this, I would love to find four veterans that I could put in a coaching group together and I'll coach them for a year. Those that are looking to enter into this mortgage industry. So preferably somebody who is two years or less, uh, in the industry. Um, it'll probably benefit a little bit better if, if they're more in my wheelhouse, like I know you as a loan officer are more consumer direct yep. and you know, what I've mastered and done really well in my career is more, how do you go out and build referral relationships with realtors and builders and uh, and CPAs, et cetera. But um, if you can work with me on that, I'll, I'll coach four veterans for one year at obviously no charge. We'll do a group call for one hour every two weeks um, as my way to give back. But I, I want to follow you. I would love to come and walk with you for three days, five days, seven days, sure. raise money, go into homeless shelters, try to give back. Um, it's phenomenal. I mean, I just kudos to you and thank you. You know, the, the world records are cool and I'm pretty sure the world records are your way to, to um, A, push yourself, but B, I think more importantly, raise awareness. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll you know, I know we're getting close on yeah. time and um, I'll kind of leave you with this because you hit a couple of points and of course we don't have the time to really talk about it, but you know. I mean, honestly, we have until noon because you go on at noon. Yeah. Um, I did tell my son I would make his, yeah, no, uh, his no, volleyball no, game no. today. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> um, I, I think I'll kind of leave it with this with the audience, you know, is you know, people see all these things in the titles and you know, being, being on Men's Health and Esquire and, you know, Varney and Fox and all of these things, you know, um, for one, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So there's a lot of people behind me that have allowed me the opportunity to be on that platform and have supported me. You know, that's that's first and foremost. I don't do this by myself. There's a lot of great people on my team, a lot of people behind me that, that support me. But, um, you know, for those of you that are spiritual or not spiritual, you know, um, you know, when I died the third time, you know, I had a conversation with God that that was a responsibility given to me for the the rent that is due as life, right? And uh, so, you know, when I break a world record or when I'm doing six, you know sixteen thousand plus push-ups or I'm running across America, and like during that that high cross America, you know, I ran ultras. I did forty miles, so I'd run twenty-two miles to an ultra event, then I'd run forty miles in the ultra, running sixty-two miles that day. And I finished like in the top eight out of forty when I did it. Wow! Time. And I had a small little pack on like thirty pounds that time, and. The difference is, is not because I'm some type of, you know, athletic guy. I mean, I'll each out of house and home, but um, it was because I, I know that no matter how far I push myself, you know, that moment where you're going through something bad in life or your physical, you know, your body's stressed and you're like, man, I don't think I could take it anymore. I know that no matter how bad that got, that if something happened, I'm going to a great place. Yeah. 
So I have a competitive advantage over most people, right? Because no customer is going to say something to me that's going to offend me, that's going to be any worse than what I've been through. No run is going to be painful enough to be able to endure what I went through. You know, none of these things are going to impact me the same way as it will someone else because I know that God has given me this opportunity and chance and that I know that if all else fails, there's this amazing place that I'm going to get the opportunity to go. So I don't want people so to true. think like, you know, I'm a David Goggins and I've just got all this like, you know, built up. It's not that. It's I shared a conversation one of the most powerful people, you know, yeah. well, I say powerful, you know, powerful yeah. beings, right? Yeah. And and I've I've been blessed to have that opportunity and it just allows me to have that little bit more of a competitive edge. I always think that God has an energy. 100%. Like it's 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 a ball of energy. Um, and it allows me to wrap my head around it probably easier and probably yeah. share it with people across the world. Sure. Uh, and not just in one particular sect or country. Yeah. Well, you don't want to title it because it's different for all people. Yep. You know, for me, it was a subconscious conversation. It wasn't necessarily like a being, you know. Um, it was really that conversation and, and, the, and the warm um, warmth I felt of knowing that everything would be okay if I chose to, to not live. Well, and, um, interesting. You were, when you were sitting there talking, one of my staples or go-tos is rock bottom's a good place to start and sometimes it's the best place to start yeah you're you in in so many uh instances are fortunate that you got to experience rock bottom right because you now have a perspective that even i don't have right and then you dying three times it was the same night or the same series of days when that incident happened that that you died or it was the same day same day yeah yeah you have a new lease on life. Sure. Like you are literally on bonus time at this point. Yeah. You know, I, I have um, my, my mother was diagnosed um, with um, like a, a rare autoimmune disease and uh, lupus. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me this later in life. Like her conversation was, let me see my kids through high school. Then you can take me. Sure. And she's been in remission for like 30 years and it's been amazing. But as a kid, I never knew that. Yeah. Right. I never knew that when my dad was like, hey, hey, hon, did you take your pills today? I had no idea. It could have been the birth control pill for all I knew. Right, you know, right. like you're eight or you're 18 and you're clueless. Um, but to be able to see how my mom has lived her life getting ready to celebrate her 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah. She just has a certain calm about her. She's like, look, you know, I got you and your sister not only out of high school, but into college, which my sister and I were both first generation college graduates in our family. Right. You know, and and uh, but she has that perspective that. Again, I don't, I don't have that, let's call it an opportunity sure. to, to have. Um, how about this? Let's, let's leave it on this. One of the questions I love to ask is, what do you wish was taught to you earlier in life? That if you could go back and you could talk to Shane Johnson when he was 16, 18, or 22, that you know, now here you are a decade or two older than that, what, what do you wish was taught to you at an earlier age if, if someone who is younger is tuning in today that you could you you could present to them yeah I, I've, I've been asked that before and i know how you want me to ask the, uh answer that question but unfortunately for me i, I the, my personality the way i am there isn't one single thing that i'd want my life to have changed or or wish differently um you know you'd asked me in my early 20s i probably would have been a little more angry and frustrated at life and and said you know hey you know this is what i want but um you know now in the age i am i you know last friday i got to watch my six-year-old daughter go through a recital you know, and, and every parent at some point has probably experienced it and went through it. But dance recital. Yeah. Dance oh, recital. yeah. I'm a and, dance dad. Yeah. And um, I'm going to tell you something, man. I, I, uh, I uh, you know, had I not fought and went through the things that I went through, I would have never been able to share that experience. My daughter is my best friend. I mean, we are for now. Anyways, we, <laughs> are, we, we are we are everything. And and, and and it's the most amazing feeling in the world to have the love that you have for a little person. 
And I'm so proud of her every single day. And I felt like if I had any kind of regret, regrets or changes that she wouldn't be here. So I am, you know, for God, I'm very thankful for the life he gave me, though I've been through a lot of struggles. Um, uh, now I can look back and at that moment sitting there watching this beautiful little being stand on the stage and be in all perfection of everything. I was blessed with such an amazing thing and uh, I don't take that for granted. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I, there isn't anything that you could have told me because it would have changed the course of my path to what I you know, may not have had today. So um, oh, beautiful answer. Yeah. I mean, and it's heartfelt, but honest, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you want to be in life. Sure. Yeah. This is who I am. Um, that's fantastic. Dude, Shane, thank you so much for your time. Again, for those tuned in who made it this far, we thank you. But people want to follow you. All of your social handles are? Yeah, at T. Shane Johnson. At T. Shane Johnson. So that's Instagram, Facebook, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, Services that you provide outside of you running, which it's it's interesting because you don't plug it, you don't talk about it. But, you know, this is the Loan Officer Podcast. You are a loan officer. But outside of that... Do you have a platform for loan originators or sales professionals to receive coaching from a program that you are a part of or sponsor or not yet? Um, yeah, I do. I uh, Mainly what I do is I'll go into an organization, let's say for the sake of conversation, a mortgage company, and I'll go in and I rally troops. I'm a, I'm a good internal speaker. I come in and talk about because I do have the industry knowledge and I am active in applications. Um, and, I, and I'm a little bit more organic and authentic to the bigger guys that you know probably haven't touched the 1003 in a long time. So um, that's really what, what I like to do. Um, as far as coaching, I do coaching. Um, it's kind of high ticket coaching because it, I do more company consulting. And uh, because my bandwidth, again, is, mm-hmm. is a little yeah. challenging when it comes to the speaking and the traveling and, of course, being a dad first. So, um, but absolutely, you know, if you if, if you you want me to come in and talk to your team and have them, you know, breaking necks and casting checks, I'm the guy you call in to do that. Um, if you want your realtor partners, a lot of times companies call in and they'll have a, a, you know, a group of their realtor partners and I'll come in and talk about, you know, have, living the life and the business of their dreams, personal development, encouraging them. I come in and I do, I do that a lot, actually. And then, of course, if you want a phenomenal marketing project where it allows you to have driven content that's authentic and customer, you know, from your consumer to your partners to your internal organization, then you get behind my hikes or my world record breaks. And that allows you to drive that content into to talk about what you're a part of um, as well. Awesome. That is fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, he is T. Shane Johnson. I am Dustin Owen. You have tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. Unfortunately for you and unfortunately for me, that's all the time we have. But if we're so fortunate, I'm going to throw it out in the universe for John Coleman. One day, I'm going to get Waterstone to bring you in solely so I can do another podcast with you. (laughs) We're going to get you paid. We're going to get Waterstone to benefit from all of your knowledge, right? all of your experiences. And you and I can do another show. But for now, that's all the time we have. Check us out, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all of the socials. Check him out. Thank you for tuning in. We've got to go. Peace.